welcome back to the Winging F1 podcast. It's been a while and two Grand Prix since our last episode, which was a pre-Monaco episode. A lot's happened. I have now finished university. I am not quite a graduate because I've not graduated yet, but I'm, um, I don't know, a half. I'm not an undergraduate anymore either, so I'm not sure what the... You're a graduate-elect. Yes, that's the that's the one. Uh, uh, president, a topical presidential um, yeah. reference there, given everything that's going on. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm in that situation, but I did have a busy. I had um, my between <laughs> between my last podcast and or our last podcast, and now then I did most of my dissertation level assessment and made half the magazine. So that's why I've been <laughs> out of action for um, a while. Also, shout out to Harry Ewing who did the other half of it, um, and. Freddie's been chugging away, but he was also at Le Mans last weekend, so that's why yes. um, there was a bit of a longer gap between when I finished and when we were actually doing this. So we will be touching on what's happened in the world of F1. Luckily, there's not been loads going on since uh, Monaco, so we'll touch on that and also look at the Canadian Grand Prix. But before all of that, Freddie, how are you and how was Le Mans? Oh, I'm doing really well, thank you. Doing really well. Busy, 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 busy. Work is busy because it's the summer and I work at a racetrack. But um, Le Mans was phenomenal. I, I've been to a fair few Grand Prix in my time. I've been to lots of different motorsport events in a working capacity and in a fan capacity and as a fan. And going as a fan to Le Mans was pretty much topped them all. The event is huge. Everything going on there is is big fry. It's the the quality of the drivers to the quality of the cars from a support level to a to a every class in the top flight race level the everything off track is ridiculous and amazing the amount of people there just gives it such a buzz like it's yeah if you don't like anywhere busy don't go to it but there's always a throng of people where i was i I had a seat which was so helpful because everywhere you looked at a bank was about five or six layers of people deep which is just amazing and something about Super cool hypercars in the dark at night is infectious and amazing. And I was up till 3 a.m. and then I got a couple of hours of sleep and then I was up again and out. And it was just so cool. And I urge anyone to go to Le Mans. And now we've got this hypercar class that's populated, that's that's ballooning. Get there while you can because it's unreal. The race is fantastic and I have an absolute blast. Um, it, this is the time of year. I mean, yeah, we're talking about discussing we don't really have much f1 to chat about but this is the time of year where the motorsport world does look at other motorsport with the indy 500 with le mans and they really show themselves up as being fantastic and unreal bits of motorsport and the fact that i went to i went to a racetrack and saw jensen Button race a stock car uh an endurance track for 24 hours with jimmy johnson as his teammate scott dixon was was racing a cadillac with Sebastian Bourdais. You had Antonio Felix da Costa <laughs> going from 16th to 1st or something, in, um, racing against like Paul Arresta and Antonio Giovinazzi and loads and loads of just, just names you can pluck out from everywhere. That It's just fantastic and so cool. He's like, oh, one second, I just looked down. And said, oh, Rob, Robin Franz is in that car. I was watching him on TV in Formula E last week and it's just ridiculous. It's so cool, and I urge anyone to go there. You can enjoy it even if you don't like motorsport as well. You can go there. You can have, you can have a French beer. <laughs> it's so French and it's fantastic. And France is gorgeous. So, 
I, I'm on a high of it. I'm wearing a NASCAR Garage 56 t-shirt as we speak. I was, I was going to say you, um, yeah, it, it looked um, looked like that. So yeah, I was going to ask that, but you've taken away my question. Um, but in that, yeah. But, yeah, no, it sounds sounds fantastic. You're going, was, you're going to Le Mans, Adam. You're going to Le Mans before. Yeah, I, I was, I was. I'm glad you said that because I was going to go. Oh, I'd be interested in going next year. And then if it was cricket, then it would be a bit of an awkward on air moment. So I'm very glad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was hopefully fingers crossed we going to the British Grand Prix this year. But that's still to be confirmed. So we shall see about that. Touch wood. But, um, you will you will hear about that if that happens, and yeah, it's just quite a busy live podcast. Busy time, mm, definitely. Lock it in now. We can't lock it in. No, we can't. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, anything else to touch on before we start the F one ness of the? Um. Of the well, we have been very busy, obviously. We, we, yeah. We um. <laughs> Naturally, with no Nigel anymore, what whoever he is, whoever he was, that awful human who's left us. Um, it was all lovey dovey, but nah, we hate him. Um, it's it's a lot harder for Adam and I to juggle our schedules and us things we want to do as people and things we have to do as people in terms of Adam's university. My work means that maybe we'll get gaps in the future, but for now, we're going to try our best to keep this podcast as weekly as possible. <laughs> Mm. At least yeah. we'll try our best to continue to follow the race calendar, which unfortunately has 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 been lost recently. So apologies for that. Mm. Yeah, it's a um, yeah. I think the obviously before then, if one of us couldn't do an episode, then we could just do a for a few days, then we could just do a, th- a two person episode. But obviously, now we are the two people. Although we will be potentially getting some uh, special guests in, so we shall see about that. But um, but yeah, I think without further ado, we'll start with the Monaco. Grand Prix, which I quite enjoyed, you know, considering um, the kind of rep that Monaco has sometimes, then I thought, you know, there was always the will it, won't it rain. There was a bit going on up and down the field as well, although the staff always looked pretty comfortable. Um, for the win, especially when Alonso pitted, um, made his stop, um, that kind of took away that challenge, uh, that kind of chance for Aston Martin, even if there was rain. But um, yeah, overall, uh, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I do. I'm, I, yeah, I said before, I like Monaco. I think Monaco's cool. And I think, yeah, even with that weird Aston Martin pit stop, it was still close. There were still moments where Alonso was taking chunks out of Verstappen. And also, Verstappen was lucky when he, when he went essentially straight on into the wall at Portia. They didn't break the car. Um, there was lots happening and it was just everywhere you looked at a Monaco Grand Prix, even in the dry and the wet, there was loads going on. I enjoyed it. Mad race. Mm. Um, and then obviously Barcelona as well, which I don't remember as much of, but I still remember, um, you know, I think it was, it, it seemed to me to be a race of two halves. It kind more entertaining. It was, another, than the, it, was, no. it was another Connoisseurs Grand Prix, I think. Um, we've had that a few times this year where you can really appreciate elements of the race and Verstappen's drive was brilliant but um, you also look at things just like little battles that over the grand scheme of the race really do sort of add up in a nice way like the fact that Russell and Hamilton were able to beat Perez um, Joe dicing around the field the sort of weird story of Charles Leclerc things like that there was lots of pocket racing going on at points that was relatively entertaining and some nice good moves in there um, and 
I did for the most part enjoy it. I don't think it was a classic. I don't think it was a world beach for a race, but it was there and it happened and it entertained me on a Sunday afternoon. Whereas what else would I have been doing? So I'm not going to answer that question. Um, yeah, I, th- I think. Uh... Oh, well, that, well that's uncool. <laughs> wow. The gutter. Because also, also their listeners in their mind will be, will be wondering what level no, to kind of go that. in at. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I would have just been watching Ted Lasso or something. Oh, I'm glad Ted Lasso was the next words after that sentence. Um, yeah, th- yeah, I think um, I think what, what has been Bloody extremely hell. noticeable to me, um, it's just the way that, you know, two or th- three Grand Prix ago, then it was mm. just before the Miami Grand Prix and Perez had come off that fantastic Baku win and was starting on pole in uh, Miami. And Verstappen was starting. Was he eleventh on the back of the grid? Um, uh, he was. He was in Miami. Yeah, back of the. He was. He was like eighth. Was he? I thought he was. Um... Yeah, because he got. Oh yeah, got... no, yeah, yeah, no, that was it. He got um, a bad yeah. banker in. Is mm. what his problem was. Yeah, but yeah, starting starting eighth, and it was so all, down the you order. know with with them with them uh, you know winner takes all winner takes the lead of the championship and now we are three races on three races um, with Verstappen winning them and only in that time one second place for Perez and it has just completely shifted really the the yeah. kind of cautious optimism of oh maybe there'll be some interesting battle um, at least a part of the season to oh the Sappens asserted his dominance. I think what really didn't help was that Perez had, so Verstappen's had setbacks this year, obviously. Broke down in Saudi qualifying um, and there was a bit of a mess in Miami qualifying and he came second and won one of them. Um, Perez had setbacks in Monaco and uh, Barcelona in that in Monaco, he crashed because he crashed. And in Barcelona, he just didn't get the lap in in Q2. So he had setbacks that were messy. And he and didn't Australia. them well. And Australia, well, of course, where he, where he just couldn't get a handle on the car. And that's a lot of not good performances there, which actually has really come, really, you know, bitten him hard. And kind of as it, as it should. But the fact that he was soundly beaten by the Mercedes in Barcelona and by particularly by Russell in coming through the order is, mm. is really a damning performance from, from him in terms of where he should be looking at where looking at what the car can do, admittedly with Verstappen's prowess and and capability with that car and the way it's built and so on. But it just does even more to prove that Verstappen's the the, the horse to back. And to sort of unfortunately not support Perez's propaganda and his camp. You look at that and think, oh, okay, well, yeah, there's, this guy is proving to be more unreliable than than in previous years. And this was the year that he's that he should be the most reliable because the car is clearly the most dominant, which is uncomfortable for him probably as a position. Yeah, I yeah, I, I think. So I mean, it's it's one of those always with this, and it was the same with um, you know Hamilton's dominance when Bottas was in the car. That it's not, you know, really, it's not Perez's job in in terms of what the team have got him there to do. Then they, you know, he's not there to challenge. He's not. If you, if you look at his 
career, he's not been, you know, that absolute superstar from day one that mm. Verstappen has been, that Hamilton has been, that Leclerc has been. So that you know, it's it that's not where he is. So it's on the other teams to, you know, catch up. Having said that, it did look like for a brief moment that we could have some kind of battle going on, and now it is. Yeah. You know, it's it's already when we're what how many races into the season and we're you know it's already what eight six seven races seven. done um, eight rounds obviously uh, yeah and and we're already you know it's already looking towards 2024 you know can Mercedes get back where are they going to be all of that so yeah I think that's the yeah that's the race for P2 mm. um on Which that is interesting think, in this oh, no. way but mm. do you, where, where do you think that stands now obviously Mercedes have had a particularly good um, Barcelona got their first or their second double podium since the summer break last year. Yeah. Um, I think, and I, I, um, I've said this before, that sort of Barcelona heightens the complexities of a car. And those can, those sort of, that base model of a car is is what's really brought to, to the fore, which is why Red Bull with Verstappen was so dominant. And then that's why you sort of had a nice Mercedes easygoing race because the base of that car is good when it works. But, um, and that sort of, you know, that transposed itself with the Ferrari sort of being a bit more of a handful and and with the Aston Martin sort of being a steady fourth best car. Because if you look at that from a conceptual perspective, where Aston Martin was in Barcelona last year, Mercedes was from a conceptual perspective relatively close to the front. But Aston Martin had just debuted an entire brand new concept. And since then, they've, they've developed so wonderfully to be the, the feel-good story of 2023. So understandably, the sort of, complexities of that car were probably brought to the fore a little bit more in Barcelona and there still is a bit of a gap in in outright concept and car aerodynamic complexity to them and to them and Mercedes and Ferrari but that just proves to show how well they've been doing and performing and this one's more of an anomaly as a track Spain than the rest of them will be so I think what it points to is that Mercedes did well Aston Martin didn't do their best job and that it could well be nip and tuck now for quite some time in in the best of the rest slot between between them with to be honest cameos from Ferrari it looks like yeah for, Ferrari are kind of the kind of the most disappointing one they're just not yeah they they do okay in qualifying or do very well in, in science's case to get on the front row in qualifying and then just fall apart in the race and their tyres just fall off. And obviously with you know Barcelona, it's going to heighten that more than most. But, you know, it's, it's science was saying that you had to time manage from, you know, the, basically the first lap onwards that they're just in this, you know, position where they've got to be so ultra defensive on Sunday and just, you know, get overtaken, then immediately move to, okay, we're going to, you know, right, let's try and hold third now. Let's try and hold fourth now and slipping yeah. back through the field. And it's just really, you know, I think for qualifying, they're there, but in the race, I'm just not, you know, unless they can, you know, bring an upgrade that solves it until they can do that, then for me, it's it's really a straight fight between Mercedes and Aston Martin. Um, you know, I think Mercedes maybe, yeah. well, obviously for the constructors, then, is... um, they've got the advantage with the drivers, but I think of, yeah. in terms of just the having having the second fastest car, I think, like you say, it's pretty pretty close between them. I'll probably give Mercedes the edge there, but I think it is, you know, with Alonso versus the two Mercedes, I think that's an interesting fight. I think, yeah, you've got to just look at Mercedes 
and say, well, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell is an incredibly even, fantastic, fast driver lineup, and that's been proven in a lot of races this year. And unfortunately, Fernando Alonso's relentlessness and superiority as a performance first non like only second non podium for performance in Spain this year mm. for Alonso. Um and he's kind of I mean Stroll did have a good weekend on pace, but it yeah. just wasn't good enough and Alonso was on the back of him at the end of the race. So that's why Alonso didn't let it down. <laughs> Alonso could have overtaken him. I mean, no it's yeah, okay and waited the true. crowd at the end. Yeah. Um, Extreme because Fernando. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what Fernando was saying was right, and you know, I, I it's a, it still comes back to my point that I've made a few times that I think since Alonso went to the World Endurance Championship, he's a bit more of a team player than he was beforehand. Even if he did try to drag Alpine into the gutter last year, but then I don't think any teammate Ocon has had had liked him, so you could also <laughs> say that. Yeah, I think. Um... Because what Stroll was four positions ahead of him, um, three or four positions ahead of him. So, you know, to have that, have Alonso still be able to come through at the end, you know, it it, it didn't align, even though Alonso initially struggled with the car and it wasn't, he, he didn't really, even at the start of the race, he wasn't looking rapid, but he was just able to, you know, come through at the end. And, and yeah, but I think in, so in, in terms of who's the better Who's got the faster car outright between Aston and Mercedes? Where are you coming down on for that? Mercedes, actually. Uh, Mercedes has more car to work with, but I think Aston Martin are doing a very, very good job of it. So I think it's I think it changes the race between them. Yeah. Um and then do you do you think Mercedes can and then slash will win a race this season? Oh, God knows. I really think it just depends who's there to pick up if Rebels slip up. And that's an if. Um, I I would happily say yes to both. And yes and no. I'm 50-50. I don't know. They won a race last year, but they won, they won the penultimate race last year. So mm. they had time to get, get their act together. And they did very, very well in Brazil on pace. So we'll see. Long, 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 long season. Um I, I would be more inclined to say yes due to the number of races um, and that it seemed to be in like 2017 and 18 and stuff like that. Red Bull would sometimes win a race and things like that. So, And they had Ferrari and Mercedes to race with. So from my side with that, with only sort of Red Bull to drop out, it's possible to quite a good degree. But we've been saying this all year. It's it's just a case of what happens with Red Bull and they do it. They're, they're a very good team. So. Mm. I think I think it depends a lot on where their development path takes them, really, because I think they can. Mm. Red Bull will switch pretty soon to you know developing for twenty twenty four and making that their main focus for twenty twenty four. So I think if Mercedes continue developing all the way up to the end of the season just focused on this season then I think they could get to the stage where they're winning races on pace potentially yeah I think you know it's it's where does that because like you say with Red Bull we saw them you know every year towards the end you know for that kind of run particularly from about 2016 onwards come back towards the end of the season win a race or two be looking great comes come to the next you know start of the next Hmm. season and Mercedes a half second ahead or however much it was so I think it's you know it's where where Mercedes development lies and you know where where they and, and it's not it's not always necessarily you know a, 
a decision of 2023 or 2024 because with Mercedes on their new uh, concept journey, then, you know, that will bleed into next season. But it's kind of how, you know, where, where they want to emphasise that. And I think that's the biggest factor for me is I do think Mercedes have the capability to win races or win a, at least one race, you know, on pace, if, depending the, on how development goes. The uber positive side of it is that sort of how you looked at races in 2015 and 16, which was... um. Oh, well, well, you know, we might have a fight at the front, but we will have, you know, an interesting scrap for third place. And if something does happen at the front, it will just naturally automatically make that race exciting. Um, mm. So some races will have a free pass at being good. I don't know. That's very uber optimistic. But you'd have a race in 2016, like um, Malaysia, where... You think, oh my god, this is just blown out of the water, or Spain, or um, in 2015, something like Hungary, where both Ferraris just get a ridiculous start, and you're like, whoa, this is completely different now. I've changed the, the way I thought this was going to go. And with such a sort of bog standard, oh, this race will go like this mindset, when something little happens, it doesn't make it even more interesting. But I don't know, maybe we have been lucky recently in Formula One. And yes. Formula One has been chaotic recently. Like you still, we still have these weird, mad things that just occur. You're like, why the hell has that happened? If you wrote that down, you wouldn't have thought that would happen. That it's just kind of like, oh, they're having this conversation now about this really weird thing, and oh, Ocon's done a ridiculous lap. Why has he done that? Um, so there is capacity. Formula One's not dull. It's just capacity. I'm saying this to myself, really. This is a great podcast. Um, one, one, one oh, on that, yeah, no, not yet. On that topic of um, you know, Mercedes and the strength of their rather than how much of an asset that is, Russell is widely reported to have signed um, a contract for um, till the end of twenty twenty five, and stay with Mercedes. Yeah. And Hamilton is also is looking after we spoke about Ferrari links with him last year. Uh, sorry, last last year. Um, it's been that long already. Um, last podcast <laughs> then. Um, probably did last year, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe not with Ferrari, <laughs> I'm not sure. But um, but yeah, he's also looking like he might stay, particularly from Russell. Do you think it's you know the, the right move for him? Was it the only move for Yes. Yes, it's the only move, really, isn't it? You either go to a team and you're widely regarded or you stay at a team and you're widely regarded. Um, out of that kind of respect, respective position you stay at the one where you won a race with last year where you just got a podium with and who won championships with recently you give them that loyalty who gave you that loyalty and at the end of the day for Russell this still is the best team he could be in unless he was given like a million trillion dollars to race for Red Bull as the lead driver with Nova Stafford then stay with do this don't do anything else it's it's it'd be stupid to go somewhere else mm, right, if I 2025 as well gives him lots of flexibility he still has flexibility. It's not that long ago, away, sorry, 2025. It's a relatively easy contract extension. He's got he's got job security and he's got faith because job security provide, shows you have faith from the team and he's got options for when the next sort of scheduled shakeup is, if you will, for 2026. So fine move by me. Logical for both parties. Keep it easy. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, to be honest, I'd, in terms It'd of be Red Bull, if, if you went to Haas, but in terms of Red, 
I feel like it'd just be kind of a, you know, what we saw at him at Williams previously. Um, I don't know. I want to maybe Alpine, maybe Aston, actually. That'd be fun. But um, yeah, I think, you know, if Red Bull came available, if I was any driver on the grid, I'd jump at that. But aside from that, I think, um, yeah, it's mm. yeah, kind of echo that, that it's not as, as, as much as Mercedes are up the pace and not looking like winning anything at the moment, they are still the second best team on the grid. So I think it's just yeah. that, you know, it's, it's just the problem that at the moment there's only one team on pace that's winning races and there's two seats in that. Yeah. And they're both full. So um yeah. so yeah, and with that done, there's not been loads more news in the world of F one. So we move on to Canada, the only Grand Prix in the history of F one, F one that's been won by a Polish driver. Yeah. And one of my favourite races of the year. I just, it's it's nice. I like the evening oh, is it? Oh, vibe cool. of it. Yeah, it's, ah, I just, I don't know. It always. It is a vibey one. It's one I it, want to go to. It's not one that really has had many great races in recent years. You've had some well, stories. It's, it's not had many races in the in recent years, to be honest, because it missed two years for COVID. I, know, I mean, I mean yeah, after, sort of after the last two, I think, I, I don't know. I think it's had a fair, I mean, you know, 2019 was uber drastic. I quite liked uh, last season's yes, as that was well with, for, with before the intense moment mm, as well. Um, you know, I quite like last season's with, uh, you know, Science kind of carrying the stuff and chasing down the stuff. And at the end, I, I yes. feel like it has. That was good. It has had a, I think it has had a um, fair few um, good ones. But yeah, I, it, it's just, just yeah, nice. I, because, I think, yeah. My thought process probably is that it sort of promised more than it's delivered, and that all the sort of I guess it's in a, it's it's weirdly, and I actually yeah I haven't I now you track me back I have enjoyed the races, but they're all sort of races that track to a sort of Monaco weirdly a Monaco vibe or a Monzery kind of vibe, where it's kind of like it's pushing for a lot more than what sort of ends up like will science get Verstappen will oh no he didn't will Vettel get. Will, will Hamilton get a Vettel? Oh, there's a get out there. Uh, will, what, what race was it? 2016, where Vettel got a great start. It's like, oh, cool. Will Hamilton get a Vettel? Oh, Ferrari just did a strategy. And those kind of things where it's just kind of like, okay, cool. There's a, the strategy one was kind of like, it's just kind of like, uh, they're all just sitting just that bit too far behind. And then Ferrari just threw it away anyway. So, but, with all of that, it's just kind of like a uh, little step further, and it would be great. Mm, I and I think that that's good potential and is nice. Um, but the track's peak was two thousand and eight, and around then races around then were brilliant. There, yeah. I, I mean, From obviously, memory. I mean, I might be being too kind to it. Who knows? Maybe I'm too. No. Maybe I'm being too mean. I sound like Nigel. Must be bloody Nigel. Nigel Manson, and the one related noise I can think of. Um, he is probably is speaking like this miserable Manson. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, 2011, the one that everyone remembers, the Busson one, was it 2010 or 2012, or both? The kind of exciting strategy one with all of the all of the teams involved. 2014, Ricardo's first win in F1. Um, yes. and he never wins still races. Um, so yeah, I think no. it's it's yeah, I think. You know, maybe, maybe like you say, in that, in in that early, um, yeah, in in maybe that kind of early turbo hybrid era, there wasn't as um, much doing. But yeah, I think you know, it's it's and and, yeah, like like you say, to me anyway, it always feels like the promises there to have a good race, and I feel like you know, more often than not, it delivers at least above average 
entertainment, which you know is is pretty good for for F one, especially this. It's probably a, a race, one of the race, one of the races I want to go to most, definitely, mm. because and and this is you know very liberty, but the destination city vibe of it. It's in it's in Montreal, like that's so cool. What a party town! Brilliant place to go. I'm just Canada. People don't talk badly of Canada, so. Unless just just go people there. go there in the winter, outside of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, what? Why go there in the winter? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't, I don't hear bad things about it. Maybe I'm deaf, but go to Canada, go to Montreal, have fun there. Go to Grand Prix, have fun there. Just have fun. It seems like a fun thing. This is analysis that I'm giving now, but it looks fun. If you were deaf, then you'd be holding it very well for 194 episodes. But um, yeah, I, I don't what? think. I don't think I could stay. I know they speak French and they have an ice hockey team called the Canadians, but spell I E N S at the end yeah, because it's Canadian. in French. Only two things that well, and there's a Grand Prix there, and yeah, there's not too Mont- many things I Mont- know about Montreal. Montreal. But um, lots of bars. Oh, let's go then. That's yeah, sold. Um, so yeah, yeah exactly. I think um, in terms <laughs> of the airport. in terms of the race itself, um, any particular analysis any expectations any hope for different from what we've seen the last three weekends um i mean it looks like it's going to be a rebel track um i don't i don't really know i think basically what i just said earlier the, the form book is the form book and it will probably fall to the form book but something could happen and if it does that would be fun i don't predict anything will happen i predict it will be a, a rebel one too but how it gets to that i don't know Formula One does seem to be throwing up a few weird things every now and again with the Red Bull qualifying going wrong, the front end not quite working, with the brakes being weird on that car, and this is a heavy braking track with close balls and things like that. So so we'll see. I think it's just kind of, unfortunately, the, the only way to hype this is something weird could happen and could make it interesting, but for the most part, it will probably be fairly standard, and we might have some nice scraps in the midfield. Yeah, I, I I think definitely in terms of the midfield, I think we'll see um, see some interesting things Scrap, there. Obviously, perhaps. Um, obviously, in terms of you know the what we've had from qualifying over the few the few of the past races as well, I think we could see something similar. We saw it with Magnussen in twenty nineteen. It's you know it's still a difficult track to hook up when you're going full speed. Um, you know, there's yeah. not much runoff at all. Or the better ones managed to find the few that there is. But um, yeah, I think <laughs> it's I, I I feel optimistic that we will. Even if it is, you know, the staff out in front, then we will see um, some interest behind. And yeah, it's you know, I I, I like for for an F one fan and a football fan and a kind of fan of most sport that starts in the afternoon. I do quite like evening sport. I, I quite like you know sitting back with yeah, dinner, it's for the having UK it on. Side, it's evening sport, um, yeah, yeah. So so I really like that aspect of it. But yeah, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling optimistic about it. Um, and then we'll come back here on you know. Monday or Sunday or whatever, and go. Oh, that was rubbish, wasn't it? But yeah, I'm oh, um, boring race. Yeah, I think I think definitely the battle behind Mercedes says they don't really expect it to suit them as much. But when do they ever hype themselves up before a race? Never. So, oh, exactly. um, so yeah, I think yeah, definitely battles. But to I also don't expect to suit them. Mm. Um, and yeah, Alpine's resurgence will that continue as well, who'll get the final point paying positions. There is some interesting stuff to look out for in this season, but it's just not kind of at the front, which is a shame, but that's just how it is. Just how it is. Um, stuff to look out for. 
Alpine do tend to go well there. Historically, that track sort of suited that car in recent years. Um, Ferrari as well tend to have gone well there. So we'll see. I mean, naturally, <laughs> Red Bull RBPT seems to be the car with the straight line speed now. So no one can really hold, hold uncandled to them. So we'll have to see. I, I yeah, awful. I, I very, I very little to add on it to be honest. Um, go and rewatch well. the 2011 race on F1 TV access. Mm. There's, well, there's just... a nice little video of him, of Julian Palmer and Pedro de la Rosa talking to her for about 45 minutes. It's actually quite a nice video. I might watch that after this while I, I'm going to order some food. Um, if Red Bull do win, then it will be their hundredth victory as a constructor. It's really shocked That's me. That's fantastic. It it really shocked me that they haven't got there already. It's to be honest, I, I hate to rain on their parade, yeah. but it did. It was it was a like wow, what only that that it. But um, they yeah, really still, deserve it though. Mm, I mean, you know. when you think about it though, we have had only what a a thousand one hundred Grand Prix. Yeah. So when you put it like that, it's incredible as an achievement. Um, how many Ferrari got? Sort of like two hundred and thirty or something. I, th- I think definitely it, it's very easy to forget. 242 for Ferrari, 183 for McLaren. When I started watching F1, um, and the say you're at 125, when I started watching F1, the Red Bull were just a midfield team. They weren't anything special. They were Alpine or yeah. they were you know Alfa Romeo or whatever. It was, um, mm. you know, it, it is really remarkable to think that 2009 season where they went from, you know, Vettel being a bit, um, frisky and being able to mix it in the Toro Rosso and then going into that seat and, you know, Rebel having been further back to then being a front runner and winning their first race and mm. being the closest challenger for the title and being a challenger for the title. It really was that watershed moment. Um, you know, everything changed and it's remarkable to think about how far they really come in such a small space of time. But yeah, I fully expect them to reach that milestone this weekend. I do too, and I think it should be celebrated for them because, in like you say, in a short space of time, albeit with lots of races now and dominant periods, they've done really well. They've done a really good job, a bit, and with two pretty successful drivers in that, leading the charge with that, with Vettel and Verstappen on something like 78 of those wins, something like that, uh, together. And then you've got Ricardo, Weber, Perez joining the party. That's, you know... A good crop, good team, very mm. very good team, very good. I, I, oh. I, they will hit it this 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 season, but a little bit of me doesn't want them to win this weekend so they can do it in Austria. Ooh, yeah, I'm talking about that. Well, we shall see. But also, go to Austria. Having celebrated the hundredth win is also cool, and doing it wherever really shouldn't matter. But, or or do it at Silverstone because that's that other home Grand Prix, like they always say. Yeah, or, or do it at or Silverstone. Don't win any races and then Zambia. do it in in Mexico, we'll Mexico when Perez yeah. wins and and, and then Perez they may have the hundredth win for Red Bull. Yeah, and no one will care because it will be Perez winning in Mexico. They may have also and lost Leclerc the championship by that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, that is a, a suitably wacky end to what's been a bit of a weird <laughs> podcast as we covered at the start. What a prediction. But um, yeah, we um, yeah. Thank you very much for listening, everyone who's listened to this episode. We always do really appreciate it. And now it's been a um, abnormally busy period. Then you know, hopefully, we will be able to get back to a bit more normal. Yeah. But for now, in, 
Enjoy the Canadian Grand Prix and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.